Are you sure you're using the right language on your sales page? What about your newsletter signup page? And what's the best way to use social media when you have two different target audiences? Well, you're about to find out. Welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to share with you some highlights from a recent jam session where I answered those questions from some of my skill session members. In case you don't know, my jam sessions are monthly group coaching calls where skill session members can get help from me on their specific projects. Learn more and become a member at joshspector.com sessions. Now let's get to the first question. I've been helping sessions member Rob Roseman roll out his new product for divorced parents. And here's some feedback I gave him to improve his sales page and launch plan. How's it going? Good. How are you? I saw your email. Congratulations on well, go ahead. I'll let you explain what you're what you're doing. Oh, yeah. You you don't realize how many steps there are to launch a skill set until you, <laughs> it you know seems... how to do it poorly. And then you right. see you want to do it like Josh. I'm like, oh, I got an email, survey, pull, do all these. I know things. it's so funny. Every time I do one still, I'm like, oh my God, like I gotta do the up I gotta do the YouTube and the clips and the yeah. Anyway. So yeah, I'm hacking it together, kind of pulled the audience, picked a topic that seems to be like like you even said on the last call like manageable mm -hmm. do it figure it out um but yeah i guess i wanted to see if i'm on the right path landing page like getting people to raise their hand and then i got to record it with somebody so i guess that's the other piece but mm -hmm. not as a so yeah just kind of like dialing in the yeah so let me i'll share my screen so people can see your landing page so, and you said, I forget in your email, but there was a lot of interest. So for anyone that doesn't know, Rob's audience is divorced parents. And so you're going to do a session on, you said there was a lot of interest in this, right? How to text your co-parent. Yeah, it's a big pain point because you have to communicate with your ex about important things and this usually not taken the right way. And there's coaches that can help you just write better. So yeah, we're kind of, I pulled it on Instagram. I got a lot of people like saying, What's the text you struggle with? Oh, you're late paying the bills, this, that. And you got mm -hmm. 50 responses. Tried to get them from Instagram to email, which is hard, but I have yeah. landing page. So now I'm at this like, okay, some people have raised their hand and now I got to build it. So when you say raise their hand, so this is a landing page for them to get a free like guide, a right? It's not the session itself. Exactly. So it's like, here's three templates that you can use, like a, a lead magnet. And then you're, then you're hoping to email them when you have the session and go, correct? So anybody that signed up for that, I now convert kit, attach another follow-up email that's like mm -hmm. a survey and says, what are, what are you really struggling with? How much mm -hmm. would you, would you pay for this? How much would you pay? And like 11 people responded to that between 29 and $99. So I'm like, I will say I'm just a general note. I, how much would you pay questions? I find relatively useless. There's not, not that there's anything wrong with asking them, but I just think like, I don't know. I, I think lots of people will, when they actually see the thing, will pay more than they say that they'll pay. And lots of people who say they pay won't pay. So I wouldn't read too much into that. Okay. So let me just look at this. So this is designed to get how to text co-parent without losing your mind. Ever get frustrated trying to text your co-parent? You type something, delete. I would maybe enter your email below to get our free guide that rewrites three common topics. What are the topics? Late paying bills, schedule changes, introduce. I would, I would reference them and yeah, see if you yeah. get better conversions because right. those are actually the pain points. And right. so someone that's like, oh, I, you know, I never know how to text them about, you know, late paying bills. That's going to be way more compelling than just three common topics. 
Good, good call. Definitely. Yeah. I'm keeping you in my head of be specific pain point. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, you know, here's the thing, right? So maybe even in the lead, right? Not, you know, not, you know, as opposed to sort of the general here, right? Because this just kind of repeats what's in the headline, right? Mm -hmm. It's fine, but they sort of are, if they've gotten to this page, they're already sort of have some frustration, right? So maybe like right off the bat, you, you, you sort of have bullet points. Let me show you, and maybe you actually saw this before. So this is an article on my blog. It's joshfactor.com, social media for comedians. I wrote this a long time ago, 2019. This format, any of these sound familiar in the quotes, right? So maybe you do that with three bullet points representing the three things in the guide. Any of these sound familiar? I have no idea what to text my spouse to get them to pay the bills. Right. I'm so annoyed that I have to send another text about blah, 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 blah. How do I send this text without seeming like an asshole or, you know, whatever it, whatever it is. Right. And then yeah. you go right into it. Right. We're, you know, any of these sound familiar? Well, get our free guide to see exactly what to type in. So you no longer have to deal with it. That's good. That, that I think will, that would be my first suggestion. Try that. See what happens. My guess is you're going to see conversions go up and also include that in your messaging when you're promoting driving to this page. So I don't know what your Instagram posts are saying, but instead, don't just say how to text your co-parent. You know, are you super annoyed because your spouse is late paying the bills again? Need to know what to text them. Here you go. Here it is for free. So you'll drive more people. The people that drive there will absolutely sign up and right. be on your way. And then any tips? So like now these people, I got 50 people that got the lead magnet, which is the most mm -hmm. I've got. And yeah, it's great. Behind this. What now the next step is just like, a couple follow-up emails, the course is ready. I mean, I got to figure out how to make the yeah, course. I would, I would, I mean, one thing you can do is you could, cause you haven't recorded it yet, right? No. So you could invite you. And by the way, you could do this on your Instagram thing as well. Not just the email, but you could say like, look, we're going to invite 10 people to attend free. So you get a little audience. It's only costing you 10 potential buyers, whatever. It doesn't matter. But that would be a way to do it. And you can also use that as a, a, to get people on the lead magnet, right? We're going to pick 10 people who have downloaded this guide to get free. And I'm making tens a random number, but we're going to pick X number of people to get access, free access to this thing. I would try that and see also if that boosts your signups. Yeah. But again, I'm still going to. So I guess once they've showed interest, then it's just a matter of following Recorded. up. Because ultimately it doesn't matter how many people you actually have live or, you know, like you're going to sell it on demand. Right. So I think you're, you know, if I were you, I'd already be thinking about like, all right, let's record this thing. Yeah. And how do I get a few people there? And even right. if you don't get many, it doesn't really matter. Because once you have it, then it's about then pushing out. I wouldn't worry too much. Because ultimately you're going to be, it's going to be an ongoing growth thing. And then you have the product and then you're good. Okay. That's helpful. And also my guess is once you record it, some stuff might come out in that, that you can then also use to clips. promote and whatever, right? Clips and also like, you know, the things might get talked about that you haven't thought about that you can then use in your copy and whatever. Okay. So don't overly concern myself with like the live next Thursday and people showing yeah. up, just get it, yeah. get it recorded and yep. sell it later. Good to know. Glad I was and again, on. If you want, if again, this is, if you want, you could make the live recording free for your whole audience because most people can't or won't show up for the live recording anyway. So mm. it's not going to actually cost you much money. 
but it's a way to get Um, people there. It's a way to get them to see it. So they're more likely to buy in the future. It's a way to get testimonials. When I did this first jam session, I actually made it free to everyone, not just my members. So I I had no idea how many members would show up. I had no idea if it was going to work. And I figured if it was good, then that was also a way to sort of promote the membership. So that might be something you want to consider. It won't cost you that much money because again, how many people are actually going to show up live? But that is what people all want because they're all on Instagram. So they're yep. like, do this live. They don't like hopping platform. You're saying maybe even do this on yeah, Instagram. you can do it on Instagram. Board, and then don't post it, but like to get yeah, access. Right. All right they pay good. for the recording. They can show up live, whatever, then they pay for the recording. All right. I like that a lot. Yeah. Cool. Next man. The second jam session excerpt I have for you today is my answer to a question from Catherine Pitt. She was struggling to figure out who to aim her social media content at since she has two different target audiences. Here's what I suggested she do. So, yeah, I'm just a little bit, I've got a bit of a gray area, basically. We, we're an animation studio. Our core clients are our brands that we create animation shows for. Mm-hmm. But, and, and so all our social media is all, and, and newsletters at the moment are sort of targeting, sort of trying to enhance that, that market and adding value to that market. But we want to start sort of diversifying a little bit and, mm-hmm. you know, adding tutorials and sharing our expertise to freelance animators and illustrators. I'm really struggling with these two kind of, because they're very different voices mm-hmm. and different areas of expertise. And I could see potentially in the future, both of them having quite an equal income stream. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, how do you navigate that duality in, in, in what you're sharing and sort of giving value in things like newsletters? Yeah. Should, should there be two separate newsletters or, or I'm just so talk, to so talk to me, talk to me about the end results. So the, the sort of your initial clients are hiring you to create animation for them, correct? Yep. <laughs> and what That's would right. the freelance animators be doing? So they would be buying into courses from us. Okay. Um, we're just trying to basically productize our expertise, but starting off by giving lots of value to start with, so not necessarily monetizing it, but just trying to build an audience from freelancers and then, you know, then trying to monetize it further down the line. So ultimately you're going to have this sort of service done for you business, and then you're going to have an education training business. And your question is, how do you sort of split the difference with your content, with your social media, et cetera? Do you have at the moment any relationship to the sort of freelancer education side of it? No, except that a lot of our, say, Instagram posts, where we've got quite a good following, a lot of that is targeting the individual creator in our tone of voice and the value that we bring. Okay. On the service side, is your work the kind of thing, like how many clients can you actually like do stuff for? Is the kind of thing where it's like you're doing, you know, I don't know how many clients could, if you were fully booked, what does that look like? We're a really small studio. So we would probably have say eight clients a year. Okay. Um, So, and where do those clients, where are those clients coming from currently? It's global. So we work for big sort of global brands. But I mean, how are they, how are they finding you or connecting you? Are you like sort of established in the space and like, how hard is it for you to get those eight clients a year? It's not too bad. It's kind of word of mouth. And again, through actually through Instagram drives a lot of our clients referrals. Okay. What I think I would do. So on the one side of your business, you only need eight clients a year. You're not really having a problem getting them. You have a reputation. It seems like it's working. 
So I think I would probably focus, assuming you really are serious about wanting to build this other thing, I'd probably focus my social content efforts on the other market because that's what you want to grow and that is infinitely scalable. So that probably makes more sense. So instead of sort of splitting the difference, now you can figure out how you want to go about that, right? So you might have a company account, but I think the main focus of my efforts from a social content audience growth standpoint would be that market. And all, and it sounds like a lot of your content is aimed at that anyway. And a lot of your audience on social is that anyway, right? Yeah, I would, it is. I would, I would lean into that, right? And be, and be clear about it. What is your, what is your Instagram account? We're Form Play Studio. And you, uh, I'm just looking at it now. Okay. So you have 68,000 followers. That's right. Yeah. Congratulations. Here, let me share my screen so people can see what I'm looking at. Everyone can see this, right? Okay. So for example, form play studio, character animators who play clients, all this sort of gets changed because okay. now you're speaking to the freelance animators. Your content shifts a bit to sort of educational stuff. You can do it gradually, right? It doesn't have to be a sort of overnight thing, but like, that's what's important. Now, the other question here, assuming you want to keep doing it this way, another way you could go is just create a sort of alternative brand that's not form play. Eh, pros and cons to that. I mean, since you've already got an audience here, I'm not sure that I would do that. I'd probably just shift the way you're using content here, but that's what, that's what you want to start speaking to. And in your own mind, you're going the goal of Instagram, the goal of social, the goal of our newsletter is to speak to and attract that audience who wants to learn X, Y, and Z, because ultimately they're going to buy our things that teach that, right? Yeah. Because you're not, you know, again, I'm saying all of this in part because you don't need many clients. You're not having a problem getting clients you know, to focus all your efforts, the, if it was, if it was the opposite, right. If you were telling me like, we're struggling to get business, the majority of our money is coming from here. I'd be like, well, you need to be focused on that, but that's not the place yeah. that you're in. So I would, I would shift your social focus to that. I think that's going to be better for you than sort of splitting the two, which is just going to create confusion. Right. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That's, yep. that's no really problem. Great. And by the way, it doesn't mean you can't ever do stuff to promote your work and whatever. But you can also promote it in the context of it also being valuable to those freelancers. So your promotion of like, whereas you might go, hey, look at the work we just did for this client. Instead, that post becomes, look at the work we just did for this client and let us tell you the three biggest lessons we learned in doing it that will help you. That's Brilliant. how you split yeah. the difference. Brilliant. Thank you. That's great. You're welcome. One of the things I love about my jam sessions is they give me the chance to give members specific feedback on their work. For example, here's an excerpt where I tell Joel Claremont how to improve his newsletter signup page. Here's the homepage one. And I have kind of a related question once we look at this. Do you want to give the related question or do you want to tell me anything about it? Well, or do you want me to just look at it? Yeah, I guess first reactions specifically to the, the newsletter signup, that's what we're really trying to drive people towards. Like we sell books mm -hmm. and courses on here, but I'd like to get them on the list. So yeah, I, we'll start there because I, okay. I don't really like it. It's not horrible and we, we our list is growing, but. I Do you like have a newsletter specific signup page or it's just the homepage? I don't yet, right? I So I have the archive where you can see all of the messages, mm -hmm. but I don't have like the traditional landing page with like testimonials and, you know. So you might, sure, you yeah. might want to think about that again, depending how people use the site and whatever, because 
if you're driving people, and again, I don't know how people are getting to your signup page in general, but if you're promoting and driving people there to be able to drive them to a page that's specifically about getting them to do that one thing, because mm -hmm. one of the problems you run into here with the homepage, and this is sort of, I'm going to now take sort of the opposite stance that I was talking about the sales page, is there's a lot of stuff keep competing for their interest. You know, do I go here? Do I get tips? Do I get whatever? Also, by the way, if the newsletter is a priority, that sign up page can then go in your navigation newsletter or whatever, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't feel like just instinctively, this doesn't feel like it's a newsletter, right? The newsletter is sort of, it feels like a homepage, right? There's a bunch <laughs> of stuff, get the book, get the, you know, whatever. So that I would probably set up a page specifically for the newsletter. Mm -hmm. um, Helping Laravel developers progress from being competent to confident. This is a general writing note. Whenever possible, try to avoid ing words. It, you can always rephrase it, and it will be stronger. Not always, but mo but most times. Also, write as if you're talking to one specific person. So you're here. So the because it it's always being read, even though you're talking to an audience. The audience is always being read by an individual. So you're talking about sort of broadly speaking, you know, this is not great. I'm just winging it here. Right. But the difference between this and go from being a, you know, go from being a competent Laravel developer to a confident one. Okay. That's not exactly right, but you see how right. I'm talking sort of specifically to yes. someone. Yeah. Um, a little as active, a right. Yeah. Right. Or even want to become a more confident Laravel developer, start here. We can, okay. you're talking directly to someone. Then the other thing, okay, so send me each two minute email has real world advice you can use, deeply understand. So one thing I'm, solid reasons for the way, okay. So the transformation is, what's interesting here is competent to confident, I like, but it sort of feels like they're two different things, right? Confident is an emotional, you don't have confidence. Competent is, you're just okay. No, I mean, that, that sounds yeah. more negative than I mean it, right? Right, right? But so like when I think of like competent to exceptional or insecure to confident. Okay. I'm not saying this is wrong, but it feels a little bit like it's a transformation that is sort of different. The other question I would have is, so th this is making the assumption that your target audience is people who are already competent developers. They're already pretty good at what they're doing. Is that correct? Yes. Like we mainly want people like we don't want to set the expectation like you could learn programming from us. Right. Like this, right. this is really aimed at a very specific niche and we're building the, the goal of the newsletter is to drive clients to us. Right. And so we kind of don't want the junior devs that can't afford us. So okay. like that, that was part of the, pro the thought process in terms okay. of what we're trying so to do. So maybe the word professional. Sure. That's a word. Professional yeah. deliver, developers, experienced developers, because here's the other thing, right? So you're talking about competent or professional or experienced, but then shouldn't those people already deeply understand how Laravel works? Maybe. They and should. Shouldn't, I think they should. Sh right. They and shouldn't they already have solid reasons for the way you build apps? <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's like the the lower end of the competent scale, right? Like they can build something and it works, but it's a little bit of cargo culting or copy pasting or like they don't really, they get stuck really easily when things don't work the way they want them to. Like mm -hmm. the, those are the problems we try to address. Do you think is the confidence, is the emotional piece a problem for them? Or is it more that they just don't, they want to advance the skills? I think it's both. I, I think it is the emotional piece of like, this is frustrating. I wish I was better, but also 
it does translate into maybe getting a better client or, you know, climbing mm-hmm. the ladder at work and getting a better uh, title. So it's interesting. Another thing to think about is to think about, see, you have this position as from being competent to confident, but it would be interesting to think about that, is, that essentially there's two, maybe there's three, I'm trying to think of what the third would be, but there's three things that, right? So they want to become confident. They want to become, basically, these aren't the right words, but they want to improve their skills. They want to become more confident. And my guess is that there's some sort of, they want to further their career. They want to get more opportunities. Like if you think about like, what are the three things that you're going to help your target audience do? There's an, There's probably an emotional component. There's probably a technical or skill component, and there's probably a reward component, job opportunity, career, make more money or whatever. So as opposed to having the sort of two things here going, even though I'm all about transformation, right? You're basically saying these are the three things that you want, the three areas I'm making up three, maybe there's not three, maybe there's two, but you know, that basically you're, you know, that that's what you're going to help them. This newsletter is going to help you improve your skills, become more confident and ultimately get better opportunities, make more money, make, you know, whatever it is, career okay. advancement, that kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, no, that's useful. It wasn't actually what I was thinking of the the feedback on, but that's, that's great. And by because... the way, maybe, maybe they got those in the headline and maybe it's these things. Right. Yeah. It's not about deeply understanding it. It's about, you know, X, Y, and Z, but that's the way I would think about it. Okay. One of the weird things about us is like, we don't want, we explicitly did not use the word newsletter because mm-hmm. like, and I hope I'm not offending anybody here, but like mm-hmm. newsletter is sometimes is like, here's like 10 interesting links to read. It's like, mm-hmm. it's sort of like repurposed content, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Ours is like all original, practical, like tactical things I worked on last week. And I found useful and I'm going to share them with you. And so we, we try, we try to focus it more on tips and. So say that, right. All, you know, not repurposed, you know, not what, you know, all original okay. stuff I worked on last week. All right. Nothing. Like those say the things that you just said, because yeah. those are selling points and you don't have, you can use the word newsletter or not. It doesn't really matter. Right. But the other thing is your sign up page when it's specifically about that is also going to make it easier, right? Because here yeah. on your homepage, you're, explaining sort of the broader business and that's part of what's getting lost on just you know on just a just a sign up page will be much easier right and really what you're saying is if you want if you're here and you want to get to here this is a great place to start okay that's all right is it okay if i ask my follow-up question i don't want to dominate okay so like if you click through on the archives let's just let's just open up one of the tips at random so whatever, whatever you like. Yeah. So they're, they're short. So at the bottom of this page, we have like the call to action to sign up. But I, I, I just started doing this, like the PS that goes in our email, which is, is basically like the way you can pay us money. I started including it here and we've seen pretty good conversions of that. Yeah. But I wonder, is it detracting from getting people to sign up for the list? Or is there anything about this page that you would change? Because most of our traffic comes through these links. So people right. like... So why would it, det- why would it detract people from signing up to the list? I don't know. I don't know. It's just like a fear we have is like, now we're giving them two things to possibly do. Like, we're not going to ever put a button or like an image or anything there. So mm-hmm. it's like, visually, it's pretty lightweight, but I don't know. That was just the thought. No, I, I don't, I wouldn't be worried about that at all. You're obviously, you're not talking about people who get this by email. You're talking about people who happen to come across it on your website. Right. Yeah. Okay. So two things that you can do, and you don't have to do it every time. One note just for everybody in general is PS works really well. People will always read your PS, not just in newsletters, but in like emails you send. 
it's always going to get a high click rate because it just that's just how it works. But the other thing is you can incorporate whether it's this plug to your service or a plug to your newsletter into the actual text, right? So, and you can do it. Is this like a typical length? Because obviously this is relatively yeah. short. Okay. Yeah. So, but even with this being this short, so for example, do you wish you had how to become more confident with a solid testing strategy? Test should give it. So let's say that if I were to rework this, you don't necessarily have to do this, but I'm just showing as an example, right? So your first sentence could be test should give us confidence that our code works as expected. Then I would skip a line and then parentheses. That's one of the reasons why we always share our tests in our newsletter link. Okay. These, the little parentheses side note yeah. that you can work in, in the context of the article and reference the thing that it's talking about. So like, let me look at, let me look at one other one, right? Keep your code consistent. If you're not careful, this can lead to a code base that's inconsistent, which can make it harder to understand and maintain. Then maybe in the next line have parentheses. If you get our newsletter, if you read our newsletter last week, you know, we talked about blah, 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 blah. And it's- And so that text would even work in the, because I'm cross-posting this. This is like yeah. literally the identical yep. email. So if I'm getting yep. it as email, that's not weird, right? Because I'm just no. referencing the thing you're already a part yeah. of. But yeah, and I'm you can use it, that. again, you can use those those little asides to drive to archival stuff, to drive mm -hmm. to drive anywhere, right? Yeah. To drive to products. So, but incorporating it in and making it relevant is really effective. Thank you. Appreciate this. Welcome. It's, uh, the last jam session excerpt I have for you today is likely to be super helpful for you if you publish a blog and publish on Medium. It's a simple, somewhat hidden function that can make a world of difference in the results you get. Here it is. All right, Elizabeth has a question about how long to wait between when you post a piece of content on your blog or in a newsletter before you post it on Medium. Do you post it to go live right after the newsletter goes out or after it's posted elsewhere? What's your strategy? My strategy is it doesn't it doesn't really matter. So I would I actually technically probably would post on Medium before, but like just basically at the same time. But the one thing is depending on are you familiar at all with like so you post on Medium and send in your newsletter and put on your website or just Medium and your newsletter? Actually, I do all three. Okay. So do you know what, uh, I'm going to botch how you say this, but can canonical links are? Do you know about that in Medium? Let me show you. It's really simple. So basically what happens when you publish on Medium, which I actually haven't done in a little while. I've kind of stopped publishing there a bit. So this is an already published article, but so where is it? When you publish or before you publish, if you go into, I think it's more settings. Yeah. So if you go into more settings and then you go over here to advanced settings, I believe it's so funny that they hide it. I'll explain what this is in a second. So then you click into advanced settings and you'll see this customized canonical link. The story was originally published elsewhere. So what happens is when you publish something in multiple places, this is a way to tell Google which one is the one that you want Google to index, right? So if I publish on my website and publish on Medium, if I don't do this, chances are likely that Google's going to think Medium was the original and I sort of copied it for my website. So they're not going to rank my website. They're going to rank Medium. If you want them to see your, the version on your website as the official version, so all that Google traffic comes to you instead of Medium, this is how you do it. All you have to do is copy and paste your website. You go into the advanced settings, 
you say this story was originally published elsewhere and you add your link and then save it. What this is doing again is just telling Google that's the, that's the main version. Now, what I will say is in most cases, if you're publishing on your website, I would recommend doing this. That said, Medium has a really high, I'm not an XEO expert, but to get into, you know, Medium has a really high domain rating. So it ranks really well in search engines. So chances are it ranks better than your website does, which means chances are the same article on Medium as the version, as the original version is going to have, is going to have a better chance of ranking in search results than the one on your website. But all that traffic's going to Medium. It's not going to your website. It's not helping your domain rating grow or any of that stuff, right? This is where it gets into sort of personal preference of what you're trying to do. Personally, for a while, I didn't care about SEO. I didn't bother doing that. And, you know, I had stuff that ranked pretty high that was just going to Medium and whatever. Then at some point I was like, no, you know what? I really should be having this go to, go to my site. So I do that for all my stuff. By the way, it doesn't matter which you actually publish first. It just matters that when you go, you know, like you can go on Medium, publish it, add it to your website later, and then go back and add that Canada, the, add the canonical link. So it doesn't really matter. But if you're, if it's important to you or you want your site to be ranking, then you should definitely do that because otherwise that stuff's all going to go to Medium. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. I'm just blown away. I didn't know it and I'm thrilled to know it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, that's why you'll notice how buried it is because oh. Medium wants all that traffic. Yeah. Up, you know? They're like, oh, go here and go into advanced settings and then go into another drop down menu. And then here's like the small fine print because they want all that traffic. But again, in some cases, like you will have a better chance of ranking with the Medium one than your website. But ultimately, probably in your best interest to have it be your website. What I'm going to, what I'm really interested to find out now is there's one place you can go in Medium to start a new post and it'll give you a choice of, of, of just typing or importing. And if you click import, I wonder if it'll automatically check that canonical or not. I so, doubt it. I don't think so. Yeah I, okay. I, yeah, I would assume not, but yeah. Oh, that's huge. Go. Thank you, Josh. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. Josh, can you talk about why you stopped publishing on Medium or you slowed down? I was not, I just was not getting, not, even though I was just copy and pasting stuff, you know, at a certain point, I just feel like I, you know, I feel like their audience is drunk. That may not be true, but that, you know, a few years ago I was getting good stuff from it. I was, you know, and I still do get some stuff. I have a huge archive of stuff that's on there, but it just felt like it wasn't, it wasn't generating a lot of money. It wasn't generating a lot of views. And I had a large audience. I have like over 30,000 followers there in theory and, you know, would get a hundred views on stuff maybe. And so it just, it just didn't seem worth the time. I'm always, I'm always trying to, as I add more stuff, I'm always trying to reduce stuff. So that that's why basically. That's a wrap for this week's episode of I Want to Know. What you heard is the tip of the iceberg of what goes on in my skill sessions. So if you'd like to check them out, just go to joshspector.com slash sessions to learn more. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon with another episode of I Want to Know.